Welcome back to the Broadway Block. On today's episode, we're going to go over our back-to-back-to-back-to-back games, and we got a special guest on, John Chick. How are you today? Joe, I'm doing awesome here, and I uh, just can't thank you guys enough for having me on the show. And, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit off air before we hit record here. And I mean, what a relief going into Dallas and getting a win, going into Arizona and getting a win. I mean, if the Rangers had stumbled again, we could be recording this episode on a six game losing streak. And that wouldn't be a lot of fun for either of us. And I mean, just what a relief getting these two wins uh, over the weekend here. Huge wins, huge wins. Steve, what did you think of the wins this weekend? What an atmosphere that Coyotes Arena was. Um, the Stars game felt a little lackluster at first, um, and the Rangers sort of slowly took over. I liked uh, Trocek. I feel like stood out to me. The top two lines really kind of um, forcing their way to, to victory there. We looked a little lackluster in the Coyotes game, but maybe you could blame the back-to-back. Um, there was some talk about the quality of the ice conditions. Obviously, the locker room situation has been pretty well noted, but um, I think that the team handled themselves in stride, and... I mean, also, you know, what's not to like about going to overtime and going to a shootout with the, you know, cup champions. I think that over the weekend, um, we showed that we can rebound. And I think that there was some things to walk away from the Islanders and uh, Avalanche's games as well. But well, I really liked how Igor played back to back. Obviously, we've seen Halak struggle a little bit. I don't know, per se, if it's been Halak's fault so much. It seems like we play as a different team when Halak is back there, kind of what the Rangers do, where we play up to better teams and down to worse teams. I'm not too sure yet. The jury's out, not out on Halak yet. If he's the guy for the backup, I am happy that Chris Drury brought in Deming. How many more games do we got to watch Halak lose before maybe we see Deming out there? John, what did you think of Halak's play in those two games? I mean, the way I see it, you know, he's played three games to start the season so far, so far, excuse me. I thought he was excellent against the Winnipeg Jets, you know, kind of a hard luck loser in that game. Uh, he really struggled in his second game. I believe that was the one. Was that the one against the Blue Jackets? I think off the top of my head, that was the one really struggled in that game. And against the Islanders, kind of a so-so performance, you know, a little bit up and down. Uh, for the most part, you know, I'm OK with Yaroslav Halak as the backup. Uh, I did like kind of an offseason series where I was looking at you know, potential free agent signings for the Rangers. And of course, we all knew Georgiev was going to get traded. They were going to need a new backup goalie. And I had Halak, you know, pretty much at the top of the list as far as, you know, realistic options. Obviously, they're not going to spend big on a backup goalie. But, you know, Halak's been around the league. He's bounced around. He's been in the role of starter. He's been on some teams where he's been in a timeshare. He's been the backup on certain teams. And, you know, I, I thought he would do a decent job. And I'm not ready to panic yet as it pertains to Yaroslav Halak because it's it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, but to both of your points, uh, I was very happy to see the Rangers go with Igor Shesterkin and kind of buck that trend. You know, they usually don't play him in both games of a back-to-back, but this is crunch time for the Rangers. I mean, they entered this weekend on a four-game losing streak. They had to win both of these games. I mean, it, it's a little bit maybe overdramatic to call them both must-wins, but you beat Dallas. To really make that count, you got to beat the Coyotes, and the best way to do that is to put Igor Shesterkin out there. And uh, they made it interesting. Neither one of these games were perfect, but the big thing they found a way to uh, get four points over the weekend. So uh, good stuff there. But, you know, Halak, mixed bag so far, but I was happy to see them go with Igor uh, in both of these last two games here. I think to your point, man, scoring was a big problem in some of the Yaroslav Halak games. I would say that there was plenty of opportunity to make those games more of a winnable opportunity for him out there, especially you, you mentioned the the Blue Jackets, some unsteadiness, and I think that it was a winnable game for at least a period and a half, two periods. So, um, you can't blame him there, but I, I would say that 
you know, agreed, not maybe time to panic just yet on the Yaroslav. The consistency is going to be the the real thing is that, um, you know, can he have those moments where he's kept us in the game? There were some moments where we've seen some sort of collapse. And I don't know, to Joe's point, if that's more or less a team structural collapse. Um, but we, we all know the way that over the years, at least it seems that the team does play differently when there's a backup uh, goaltender in net. So um, what would be, John, if you had a highlight from the weekend here, the Dallas uh, Coyotes game here? Yeah, I mean, as far as the weekend on the whole, I, I would just say the way that they uh, basically took over the third period in the Dallas game. I mean, the Coyotes game, you know, they came from behind and won that game too. But, you know, you're on the road against Dallas. You got to end this losing streak. Stars were leading their division. I don't know if they still are, but they were in first place. And, you know, you're in a back and forth game. The Rangers have shot themselves in the foot a couple of times in this game, but to respond and be at your best when it counts, you know, in the third period and out, outscore a good team like the Stars on the road, three nothing in the third. And to get uh, some secondary scoring in the middle of that, too. You know, Zach Jones gets the game winning goal. Uh, Julian Gauthier had an assist. And uh, his first goal of the season, uh, highlight real goal, kind of a crazy play there. Finally seeing him finish his opportunity. So that was great, too. But, yeah, just great to see the Rangers once again bear down when they really needed to and um, see some unlikely heroes step up in that game. So for me, um, if I'm going to pick one highlight of the entire weekend, I got to go with the third period against the Stars there. Once again, the Rangers uh, just really delivering in crunch time there. Also, some of these Igor goals that he has let in, I feel like a little bit defensively, we've been giving the puck away kind of like in yes. front of the net, like, which is like, we're asking a lot of Igor to like step up and make these saves when you're giving away right there for him. Going forward, is Zach Jones going to be the guy or are we going to see more of Hayek or is it going to be kind of like a split time thing, John? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Gallant will kind of let the two of them settle that. Right now, I think as things currently stand, you'll probably see Zach Jones. I would say he'll get about two thirds of the games. Maybe Hayek will get about a third of the games. Obviously, that can fluctuate depending once again on how each of them play. But, you know, my big thing there is that I think Zach Jones at this point has a little bit more upside than Libor Hayek. And, you know, Hayek has had some chances that obviously that trade between the Rangers and Lightning hasn't really worked out that well for the Rangers. And Hayek's played around, I think, about 100 NHL games in his career now. And Zach Jones is at about, you know, less than 30, I, I believe. So Hayek's had his opportunities and for the most part hasn't really taken advantage of them. I will say, uh, I think he's played a little bit better this season than we've seen in the past. But for me, yeah, I, I think Zach Jones is the guy. I think he's got the, the inside track there. And I think they will give him every opportunity to eventually run away with that job. I mean, hopefully by the time we're, we're getting near the playoffs, um, you know, he, he's the guy and he's firmly entrenched in the lineup. And, you know, he's out there with Schneider pretty much every night. Uh, but how about you guys? I mean, what, what's your uh, opinion on that whole situation as well? Because obviously it's kind of going back and forth between the two of them so far this season. Well, I've seen like I, I've liked Zach Jones offensive play. I like he's in the offensive zone making passes, but he hasn't shown as a true defenseman that he can play with the big boys every night. So I, I th like what you're saying. I think he's on the fast track to be the guy going forward, but I don't think you give him the range just yet. You let, you know, if we have a tougher team going down that has more depth in their lines, I think you go with Hayek almost to play a more defensive stance like that. So I think I'm with you, John. I think he's going to be the guy. I just don't think you give him the full go ahead right now. What about you, Steve? As far as like, it's got to be a boat of confidence to come into that game and score like he did, especially like Gautier too. That's what we want to see. We want to see some competition for these these last positions. If everybody's job feels safe, then everyone's going to get complacent kind of thing. You want those that competition. You saw Reeves get sat 
and Gautier comes into the game and he has a goal and an assist. And how about 20 seconds after having that assist, which was a fantastic play from Gautier to set up the goal from Jones, and then you rebound into that and you have that crazy burst of speed. We've always seen it. Joe McLeod probably talked about it three or four times during the game that we've always seen all those tools, but the finishing ability, like you had alluded to, John, um, of course, he finished this without a goalie in the net. Um, but there's there's something that always that counts. <laughs> that always helps. It counts. It's yeah. the confidence that you right. You want to see that. It definitely counts. Um, counts just the same on paper. But as far as um, some competition, I think that this is all good, well and good to see a little bit of that, specifically in that last pairing uh, defense. And there's going to be some depth uh, flopping. I feel like going going forward into those last third and fourth line roles. Yeah, I'm with you. And and one of the things that I talked about with Gautier you know, a couple episodes ago on my show, I think it was after his big game against the Stars, it's it's crazy to think how easily he could not be a Ranger right now because if if you guys remember uh, back to back to the expansion draft, they were only going to be able to protect one out of Kevin Rooney, Julian Gautier, and Colin Blackwell. And I was kind of hoping it would be Gautier because I, I just felt like of those three players, he had the most upside, but they chose to protect Rooney. So Gautier's out there. The Kraken take Blackwell instead. So he dodged that bullet. And then this year, you know, he's placed on waivers along with Jared Tenorti, and somehow Gautier clears waivers and Tenorti doesn't. Anybody could have just grabbed Julian Gautier there. So it would be freaking wild if Julian Gautier finally puts it all together and becomes a really productive player for this team because, I mean, he was this close a couple of times to potentially not even being here anymore. You see Dryden Hunt gets taken immediately in waivers too. So just to, I mean, yeah. to your point, a not impossible factor. And then, you know, the reason why he came to the Rangers to begin with is because he was given another chance. We had a, a glut um, at the defensive position and, and just made a hockey trade for another guy that could use another crack. So um, it would fit into the Rangers uh, persona all too well if he did go on to another team and like burn us for like, you know, five or six goals. But um yeah, and shout out to a... Patrick Nemeth for not scoring last night against us. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was like a give me game. Like, you know what, guys, who I'm excited to see? Like, I've been loving the play out, out of Kako, but I'm like, all the Kako haters are like, oh, he makes all these great moves to the net, but he doesn't finish. Talk to me like mid-January. He's going to be finishing those goals. Like, there's no way he's not getting this many opportunities. One of them's going to go in. Like, they're just going to start falling each night. Yeah, he um, it almost feels like, you know, with the years going by here and he's into year four with the Rangers, it almost feels like, you know, the light bulb has kind of gone off a little bit for him in in a sense that he realizes he can use his size and his strength to his advantage. We didn't really see him do that his first couple of seasons in the league. Uh, he's able to do that a little bit better now. And you guys see how good he is on the puck. I mean, if, if Kako doesn't want to give up the puck, guys, you know, the, that's a problem for the other him. team. Yeah, they can't take it away from him. And I, I almost get the sense that, you know, he comes in, you know, 18-year-old rookie, number two pick, and probably didn't want to be perceived as like a puck hog by his teammates. And and that was a team-wide thing. Everybody was selfless to a fault for a couple of years there. But I think Kako and a lot of players on this Ranger team, they're realizing like, hey, if I shoot the puck, nobody's going to be mad at me. Like, it's okay. If I hang onto the puck for an extra second and, uh, you know, maintain possession, nobody's going to be mad at me. So it's good to see Kako kind of evolve his game. And like I said, take advantage of the... uh the uh the skill set that he has i agree john i think he's gonna start shooting more like he has the opportunity i'm screaming at the team shoot shoot i think he's just gonna start shooting that's all i can yeah i uh i don't ever want to be that guy that's just always screaming shoot 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 but for a couple of years there with the rangers i mean that's that was all of us you know there, there were just too many times where everybody would go for that extra pass everybody wants to set up their buddy for an easy goal but uh sooner or later you know just fire it at the net especially if you have a good shot Great. Yeah. Now it's hard to critique guys like Fox and Mika leading the way, you know, on our team and points. But, you know, you watch against the stars there. Fox comes in 
could just shoot, realizes the goalie has the, the net pretty much hogged up, fakes the pass to Mika, doesn't do anything, goes around the net. It's like at a point, a pass on pads, you know, at least get it towards the net and something maybe fun will happen with it. I understand that a lot of the times we're looking for that that cross-size feed, but you know, you've started to see the, people, the teams kind of figure that out. You know, maybe specifically I'm talking about on the power play. Panarin, we're so used to making that cross-slot pass. So the more we can mix it up and the more we can have that little Mika tipping goal, like keeping teams on their toes and having us have options um, is going to make this team even scarier. Yeah, no, that, that was a beautiful goal. And it's nice to see the power play, you know, get rolling again. And you know, to your point, I think there was there were times where the Rangers were, were going to the well just a little bit too often. You know, that Panarin Tamika one-timer attempt. And on one hand, I mean, yeah, go for it because Panarin's an unbelievable passer and Mika can really let it rip. But you could tell, I mean, teams are really looking to take that away and kind of almost daring the Rangers to beat them in other ways on the power play. Uh, the good news for us as Ranger fans is that the Rangers can beat you other ways on the power play. You know, one of the best net front presences in in hockey in Chris Kreider, uh, Adam Fox, one of the best, you know, power play quarterbacks in the league for sure. And uh, Trocheck's fit like a glove too. And uh, as you saw last night, you know, you just mentioned the goal that they scored. I uh, had Panarin passing in deep to Kreider and you're thinking, you know, Kreider's going to go for that tipping goal. And instead he redirects it over to Mika and Mika gets the tapping goal uh, rather than the Panarin to Mika one-timer. It, the puck went from Panarin to Mika. It just went there in a, a different manner than we're used to seeing. So uh, glad to see that work out. And, you know, the power play has been swarming these last two games and, that's a, a big part of this team, and hopefully it bodes well for uh, the month of November coming up here. Yeah, and I think it's sustainable, especially like what yeah. you say, like leading up to the, to this month. There's a lot of be- uh, beatable teams, a lot of really winnable games, and um, to see it start to click now. I mean, it was clicking early. There was probably maybe just during that losing skid um, where it wasn't, but it's one of those things that I think it operated at 25% last year. It's, it is sustainable for this to get clicking and get uh, going in a in a really momentous fashion for us so i think this is the the time for it to start to click for us and especially there's games against the wings there's games against the ducks there's games against the devils um there's games against really beatable teams that are uh, coming up and this would be kind of like last year one of those opportunities to kind of go on like a, a you know big run to start the season and really cement that um that lock on the division but um if you told me that the golden knights the boston bruins the Jersey Devils would all be at the top of their divisions. I would call you crazy, but here we are. And that's why we love watching NHL hockey, but at least myself. We got the Flyers on Tuesday, and then we got the Bruins on Thursday. Are we seeing Igor both of those games, or you think we're going to try the Halak thing again? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I have the schedule right here, and I'm, I'm going to pull it up real quick. And, you know, I, I think maybe uh, you wait until the Sunday game against the Red Wings for Halak, maybe. Uh, they also they, they got a home game the following Tuesday against the Islanders. It goes Flyers, Bruins, Red Wings, Islanders. Part of me thinks he might get Halak against the Islanders. You know, we saw him play against the Islanders earlier this season. Yaroslav Halak revenge game, maybe. You know, we'll see. But uh, I, I'm kind of hoping that that they kind of ride with Igor Shesterkin, uh for these games against the Flyers and the Bruins here. Like you said, a couple of first place teams. And, you know, the Rangers are going to put, put their best foot forward. I would imagine, you know, both those teams will go with their top goalie in those games. So uh, we'll see. You know, I, I know that you have to be careful and you want to keep Igor fresh, but there will be opportunities to to get him, you know, some rest later in the season. We've already seen Halak three times this year. So I'm good with uh, a couple of couple of Igor games uh, for Tuesday and Thursday here for sure. Getting Igor to play those back to back really cements the idea that that there's some layers of confidence here. It's not just you're our number one, right? You are 
trusted to go out there and win when we asked you to. And I think that Gallant has almost deceived the fans when when we had that last minute Halak start. And then the same thing again with the back-to-back Igor start. I think that he truly looks for the pulse on the team and to see who's going to give him the best crack that night to win the game. So um, I think that moving forward, I wouldn't be surprised to just continue with Igor. Barring, you know, like you had mentioned, Boston, maybe Halak's old team or something like that comes up where um, you give the guy the the start, maybe one out of those those four coming up. But um, Igor, I mean, his numbers right now, 913 across uh, the first uh, games. He's 5-0-2 oh, um, with a 2.55 goals against. Some of the team leaders, we have Panarin as 16 points over 10 games played um, and Sabanajad with 12. So the Stars are doing what is being asked of them at at least at this time looks like um, Fox is at an almost point per game pace as well as Trocheck. So um, if there was a glaring weakness to this team right now, it's that consistency for sure. Um, and the top line scoring and keeping this chemistry, I think is going to be key. If we can lock up those, those top positions and not move on from that Kako laugh idea, just, just quite yet. Somebody had mentioned online, you know, these, these games don't matter. We're 10 games into the season. Like, the season's an eighth of the way over with soon. It's yeah. going to be a quarter. You know, it's it's like and we're in the Metropolitan. Every team can play and every team can win. To your point, Joe, we have five wins into the season and we're tied for first place in the Metro. So think about it like that. We haven't even done the best start that we can. And this division is clearly competitive. If you look around the league, there's a lot of juxtaposition in the standings. I kind of keep thinking about the athletic article that said that we were the uh, the fourteenth team in the league that no team has a bigger boom bust, but it's like it's kind of kind of looking that way, man. I mean, we've shown that we can hang out with the cup champs and go to overtime with them, but we also showed that we can almost maybe lose the game to the Coyotes here and there. So yeah, you know, I I think they're going to be all right. The, the thing that's you know bothering me so far this season, uh, and I'll I'll preface this whole thing by saying that I think it's very correctable. It just feels like there's too many times. You look at every goal that the Rangers allowed over this weekend, it, almost all of them are a case of the Rangers just shooting themselves in the foot. You know, a defensive lapse, getting outworked along the boards, and then, you know, the opponent keeps the offensive possession going because of it. Uh, a turnover, a penalty, whatever it might be. It just seems like on every goal that they're allowing, uh, something's something just goes wrong and somebody makes a mistake. You know, we had Ryan Lindgren giving the puck away, which is not like him at all. Uh, that happened in the Coyotes game, and it Happened against the Stars, too, and, and we got lucky because that one got disallowed to the offside. Um, and then, you know, there's a goal against the Stars where, you know, the, the draw was in the Ranger zone and the puck's just kind of laying there. And, you know, Goodrow and Vizier are there, two good defensive forwards, and they just, you know, couldn't make a play on the puck, and, and the Stars score off of that. A um, lot of examples like that. And then even, you know, the Coyotes score on the power play last night and give them props, you know, it was a good goal. But that was all set up because Panarin took a not so good offensive zone penalty. So it just feels like everything that they're giving up as far as goals are concerned is self-inflicted. And like I said, the good news is I think it's all correctable. And, you know, a lot of defensemen on this team, I would say Lindgren, Miller and Truba, they've all been fine. They've all had good moments this year. I think all of them have yet to really put their best foot forward. I don't know that they've all played at the level that we saw them play at last year, but there's no reason to think that they won't eventually get there. And I think it's coming sooner rather than later. But John, to your point, I totally agree. They've been self-inflicted, and when it rains, it pours. We've playing back um, backup goaltenders that are playing lights out, like Igor Vesna season kind of quality, and like you were saying, Lindgren in the Blue Jackets game took that bad boarding call up against the boards. 
Boom, they go on the power play, goal. Panarin takes that bad penalty yesterday, boom, goal. So, yeah, I think that's going to work itself out. Also, the power play, we saw what happens when it wasn't clicking. It was there pretty much three games there where nothing was, we were getting shots, but they weren't falling. So once that corrects itself, the power play is back to normal. We're taking less of those bad penalties. I think everything's going to be fine. I don't argue with Gallant. Like, it makes sense. The back-to-back game, he played Halak for the Blue Jack or against the Winnipeg. Then he played against the Blue Jackets, losing record. You would think you would want to play your backup goaltender, get him used to it. And then you play him again against the Islanders, just because it's back-to-back. You just played the Cup champs, and he falls short. So I'm with you. I think this week, Igor, Igor, and then you play him over the weekend, and you get um, you play Halak over the weekend, and you get Igor back next week. To your point, man, getting outworked, it's like last year we were outworking teams and we weren't winning face-offs. Now we're winning face-offs and we're getting outworked. It's like, what's funny is I think it is correctable, like you said, but I think we have the good cast of, of people that do it. I think it's essentially the same team plus Trocheck. So, you know, you're still going to get the work ethic there, but it's just funny that when you, you know, you always feel like you're looking towards that one thing. We finally have that thing in the, in the face-offs to your point, you know, we win a face-off and then give up a goal. So it's like people talk about that first pass to get out of the zone. Um, that's where I think we've been really kind of call it sloppy, call it lazy. Um, correctable is definitely the word though. Like you said, and uncharacteristic. That's the other thing is that it's not like us. It's not like that team that went so far is that, uh, we were a little bit more patient, a little bit more careful with that first pass. And I'd be interested to see combine that work ethic that we're so used to with the possession and the faceoff and wins. Then this team is really scary. And like I said, we're well situated, even re- you know, regardless of a kind of a sloppy start. Igor is at least still shining with his record. And I think that even some of the games where he didn't look so strong, I think that like we had chatted about earlier, that it's it's mostly a, a team kind of collapse and you know, sloppy play in front of the net. A Did lot you of hear the times. I'm sorry. Did you hear Valaketa after the post game? Please go ahead. Um, John Giannone was like, so how have you felt about like Igor's performance? Like he's 5-0 and 2. Do you feel like he's lived up to your expectations? And we are so spoiled as a fan base. Even Valaket was like, well, you know, I like he's doing good, but I, I felt like he was going to give us a little bit more. So 5-0 and 2. <laughs> ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, no regular overtime loss. That's the thing. I mean, he, he set the bar so high for himself. And I think sometimes you know, these guys, they almost become victim of their own success as far as, you know, how the fans perceive them. And we saw a lot of fans getting on our Timmy Panarin in the playoff run last year. And, and granted, he was not at his best. But, you know, part of the reason for that is because we just expect excellence from him night in and night out. Uh, Adam Fox, same thing. People have even gotten on him from time to time. And the thing I say about Panarin all the time is that, you know, that was him at his absolute worst. And he still had 16 points in 20 playoff games last year and a game seven overtime winner against the despised Pittsburgh Penguins. So uh, that's that's Panarin's floor, basically. And, you know, I think for the most part, the fans, you know, still like this team. But yeah, I mean, expectations are high. That That's what'll happen when you go to the Eastern Conference finals and you've got all these young emerging stars and a fan base that's hungry for its first Stanley Cup in almost 30 years. I saw it. I was thinking about it like former Rangers scoring. And I was like, could you imagine if Chris Kreider was on another team? He would come back and score three goals every time he played oh, us yeah. if, if that happened. For oh, all yeah. the people that say he's overpaid. How about Artemi continuing up his his murdering of the, the Blue Jackets? Our, our only point, obviously, in the game. But uh, <laughs> it, 
it's just like one of those things. It's just, yeah, death taxes and, and uh, scoring on X Rangers scoring on us. But um, Panarin, too, like you, you had said, that's his floor in 16 points across 10 games. And, you know, like you said, we're spoiled as a fan base that, that even he's looked, don't get me wrong, he's looked fantastic. But there's even been some some plays where it's uncharacteristic, and I think that's what you get for the, for taking chances. I think that's what you get for playing his style. It's very uh, high octane, and a lot of things can happen really quickly. Um, and maybe you give up an opportunity because of it. But um, at least there's a guy like Trocheck that can cash in. Um, at least the team chemistry is there. Um, you even saw Kako for a brief moment on the power play, um, getting some number one power play time. So having these guys kind of elevate to that role and then being able to share that confidence um, because you can't guard everybody. And and you had kind of alluded to teams are, are daring the Rangers to beat them another way. And I think that we're going to find those, those ways because we're going to have to step outside the box. We're going to have to be, the team is going to have to be as creative as Panarin. And I think that um, that kind of mindset and having those two, those two top lines represent a, a dangerous threat both times um, that you face when you're going to be in a position where you're going to have to do, um, you're going to have to do something to deal with both lines, in other words. So um, I think that we're in a great position. And I think that this is just one of those like rocky kind of starts. And again, it's not even that that rocky of a start. It's just kind of us having those high expectations, like you said. But um, can't wait to see what happens over the stretch of games because this is going to be really like season defining right here, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it doesn't get any easier, especially at the start of the, the month here. I mean, we talked about how, you know, playing a couple of uh, first place teams and the Flyers and the Bruins and, you know, playing some teams that look to be improved a little bit. The Red Wings look a little bit better than they've been uh, in recent seasons. I mean, later in the month, you've got the Kings, who were a playoff team last year, to the surprise of many. Uh, there's a game against the Oilers, the Devils. I mean, we'll find out if they're for real or not, but they're off to a heck of a start themselves. So, uh, yeah, gut check time in uh, in November here for the Rangers, for sure. All righty, John. I think that's all we have for today. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Let's get these wins this week, boys. Let's go Rangers. Absolutely. And thank, John, thank you guys again, so brother. much for, for having me. And you guys will have to join me on an episode of Locked On Rangers sometime in the future, for sure. We'll we'll do. Everybody go ahead and check out Locked On Rangers with John Chick. Thank you again, John, for sharing the time with us, brother. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.